0: Greet each one in Jesus' name. Bring you greetings from Phoenix. I apologize for my voice. I hope you can endure. Um, not sure what happened. Must be the cold weather up here or something. I don't know. Thank you. I don't feel that bad, but. My voice is uh, kind of rough this morning. As I was thinking about what I wanted to share, what the Lord would have me to share this morning, and Delvin asked me if I would, a couple things went through my mind. I mean, obviously... The uh thing with our family, with Christie's passing, that was kind of foremost in my mind, so I was thinking thinking around that and what to share, to encourage Delvin and the children and the rest of you. and says you I'm sure you also think about her at times. And then I became aware also that uh, Warren has kind of reached a milestone in his life also. And so from a little different perspective and yet I felt there was something there for us also to to celebrate and to to learn from that as well. And I want to include everyone else also. This is not just for Delvin's and Warren's, but it's for all of us to to be encouraged and challenged by the scriptures. And I want to look at it a little way this morning, you know, if if Christy could look down on us this morning and speak to us, what would she have to say? What would Warren want to say to us this morning in light of his journey and He's probably already said those things to you. And I apologize if I repeat, but I mean, that these are things that were going through my mind. I have three verses. Well, first, i I guess if I was to give a title, I might entitle things, Pressing Towards the Mark. And I have three verses I want to read and then I'll go into the context of each of these verses. Philippians 3.14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession, before many witnesses. 2 Timothy 4, 7 I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. One thing that comes to mind as I think about these things, I, I think of obedience. Um... There's several different types of obedience. I've, I've chosen to look at it kinda in three different ways and I won't spend much time but just, just a little bit on this this morning that the first type of obedience we can obey out of fear. If we, if we're afraid we get caught then that's an obedience out of fear if we obey because there's negative consequences there. The second kind of obedience is a little, it's a step further but we obey because we have to. Maybe when our parents tell us something to do or Our church leaders encourage us in a certain way. We'll do it because we have to. We're we're not necessarily fearful of them. We're not necessarily fearful of the consequences. But we just do it because we have to. And then the third thing, and this is, I want to challenge you to stretch towards this one. And that's when we obey because we love, and this is the the best type of obedience and this is the the kind of of love that we want to have in our Christian life for God is we wanna we want to serve God, we want to love him, we want to be obedient to him and this is this is what I think of when I think about pressing towards the mark is We're not being forced to press towards the mark. God has given us something to work towards, but He's not forcing us to do that. And that's our choosing. And that's our wanting to be obedient, wanting to obey His commands, and wanting to serve Him and work for Him. We press towards the mark. that That's the the best type of obedience, the best type of service. So let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, I'll read the entire chapter. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I am more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew, of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those things I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count myself, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth <laughs> unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself? I would understand Paul would have been in prison when he wrote Philippians. And so he's writing again to the believers to encourage them. And in a way, he, you know, he doesn't apologize to remind them. These are things that, that he's probably taught them before, but he just wants to encourage them, to remind them. And then he goes into some of his pedigree, some of the reasons that he might have taken confidence in his own flesh. He had a list of things there that qualified him. But he's saying, don't don't put your confidence in the flesh. He's saying, I don't put my confidence in these things. Verse 8, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. So it's not those physical things. It's not those earthly things that we've achieved and worked for. But but even Paul here, he was religious. He was very religious. He, he did everything down to the T. Circumcised the eighth day and... This and that and everything he followed all the, the rules, but yet that that wasn't beneficial. That wasn't that didn't give him a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's saying, I, I, I count all those things for loss. But what is what does he put his confidence in? Verse ten. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, Brother Ellis asked us a question this morning: Where is our conquest? How, how does it stand with our conquest? Are we satisfied? Are we going to be concerned about those around us? Are we willing to to reach out and to conquer? Conquer our land for, for Jesus. If we're interested in, in doing that and pressing forward, this, this verse has one of the keys in it. And that's, we have to, we have to experience, we have to live, and we have to be able to show the power of His resurrection. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the message that has to to be real in people's lives. If they're going to live victorious in Christ Jesus, they have to live in the power of the resurrection. And the interesting thing, you know, there's lots of different religions, there's lots of different, you know, there's very few people that actually go through life Without any kind of belief or something. There's something in their life. Uh, People talk about this in different ways. Some, some people say there's a God-shaped vacuum in every heart. And people try to fill that with different things. Many times they don't fill that with God. They fill it with, you know, with pleasures of the flesh or or drugs, or something to to seek pleasure, or they seek it with other religions, they get deceived, and so on. But none of these other religions have a resurrection where their leader resurrected and conquered death. Just think of the power that was in the resurrection of Jesus where He conquered death. No one else can do this. No one else has ever done this. And yet Jesus can. But see, if we're living in sin, then we, we're, we're, we're blindness. We can't see. And if we can't see, how can we expect, or how can we be expected to find our way out of blindness and darkness? We have to have our eyes opened so that we can see the power of the resurrection. I just some time ago I, I I did some study and I did some thinking about this and this is so powerful that if we can, if we can help people to where their eyes can be opened spiritually so that they can see the power of the resurrection, then there, then there's hope. That's the hope that all people are looking for. And if we want to extend our conquest, like Brother Ellis challenged us, we need to take that message of the resurrection out to those who, who don't have it, to who are searching for meaning in their life. Verse 13 talks about one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. We can't dwell in the past. This, this Sunday school lesson this morning was a lesson from the past. But we can't dwell there. Those, the, those wars in, in Canaan, those are fought and over with. We, we can't go back and refight those wars. It would be pointless. We can learn from them, we can take lessons and courage from them, but we're not back there and and we can't, we can't do that. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth those things which are before. In our past, there's both, there's both good things and bad things. And in a sense, We have to let all those things there. We, we can't, we, we can't constantly just be living off of the good things in our past either. We've got to be pressing forward. We've got to, we've got to take, take the battle to the next step. We've got to, in the New Testament, like Jesus said, they, They went to the next town. They visited one town and then they went to the next town. There's a moving forward. Some of the the bad things, we want to forget them. We want to let them in the past. We we can't allow those things to drag us down and to discourage us. We want to let them in the past. But the good things... We want to take courage from them, but like there's old saying, you can't just rest on your laurels. You can't you can't just rest on all the awards that you've you've won in the past and expect just to win in the future on that. You've got to be active and fighting in battle. Verse fourteen I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, this is coming from the Apostle Paul. Um, We look at somebody like the Apostle Paul. How was he so successful? How, you know, all that we have in the New Testament that was written by him and all the things he did, I, I think a lot of it has to do with this mindset of pressing... Forward, pressing toward. We're warned here about those that mind earthly things. Minding earthly things will drag us down. And so we need to take a warning from that. Verse 21, the last verse talks about who, who shall change our vile body. It's talking about Jesus. And then it's talking about changing our, our body. I look at that as our earthly body. Not necessarily as being vile in the sense of evil or, or bad, but just as, as temporal or earthly or temporary. That, you know, the, we're familiar, you know, with bodies that wear out or bodies that are that are sick that can't function anymore. These are all going to change. But even otherwise in our, our bodies, we don't put our confidence in our bodies. We put our confidence in the power of the resurrection pressing towards the mark. So perhaps... The first challenge that we might hear from Christy or Warren this morning, press towards the mark. You know, I'm pressing toward the mark. And and the challenge is for us to accept that challenge and that we would also do our part in pressing. Pressing on, pressing into the kingdom. Let's go to First Timothy chapter 6. Now first Timothy, as I understand, so these three verses I read are sort of in a chronological order. The first one from Philippians, Paul wrote when he was in in prison. And then the second one, he was out of prison again. He was in between. And then the last verse I read in second Timothy, he was, Paul was in prison again when he wrote second Timothy. So if we can picture Paul, he's he's suffered some, but but now he he has a temporary reprieve. He's he's out of prison, and and he's he's working. He's working for the kingdom, and he's challenging this young minister Timothy. So let's uh, I'll read the whole chapter First Timothy chapter six. Let's pay attention. To what he's teaching this young minister. Let us many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters let them not despise them because they are brethren but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved. Partakers of the benefit, these things teach and exhort. I'd like to pause here. I want us to, to rethink a little bit what I just said. I said, let's pay attention to what Paul is teaching this young minister, but let's look at it and apply it to ourselves wherever we're at. If we're young men, if we're middle-aged men, if we're older men, if we're, if we're Christians, Then let's, let's embrace this and let's, let's take it to heart and let's, let's see if we can make applications to our families. Let's not, let's not fall asleep because we're not a minister. Let's not fall asleep because we're not a young Timothy, but let's, let's be alert and let's listen to what Paul is saying. I think These things can apply to all of us, wherever we're at in our Christian life. Verse 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words. Words whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows but thou o man of god flee these things and follow after righteousness Godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, fight the foot fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses, I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. So to begin with we have a challenge here that we would withdraw from ungodliness. There's a high cost of following Jesus Christ. And and there's a separation. There's a separation from the world and and when we talk of the world we're talking about the the mindset or the world view of how the world looks at things. Or another way to, to think about it is the the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of, of this world. They're, they're two different kingdoms and they're warring against each other. And we have to separate ourselves from that. So we, we separate ourselves from ungodliness. But then it, it tells us here that godliness with contentment is great gain so to be content we, we strive after godliness we will also want to be content with that and that goes so far in this life to be content with with the how we find our life in christ this chapter has a significant warning against riches, says the love of money is the root of all evil, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. So it's not always the dollar amount of how much we have or we don't have, but sometimes it's how content we are with what God has blessed us with. How we use what we have or, or what we have left over. When we, you know, give our tithes and offerings, when we pay our bills and we have a certain amount, sometimes we have a certain amount left over. Sometimes there's not much left over. But God's concerned about that. Both in, if we're short, He's concerned about that. He wants to, to help us. And he, one way he does that is by us helping each other. Maybe there's some that are blessed more that can help those that, that have needs. That's one way to, to be, to keep the riches from getting the upper hand is to hold them with open hands and share them with those that have needs. But be careful. I think he's saying here, be careful. Of, of accumulation for the sake of accumulation. Be careful. And be careful about a mindset that targets towards that. Of positioning ourselves and aiming ourselves in a way that, that we can, we can have that surplus that can grow and And we can become secure and we can become content. No, that's not, that's not true contentment and that's not true security. True security can only be in Jesus Christ. Verse 11, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness. That's got a list of things there. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Verse 12. Fight the good fight of fi- faith. Lay hold on eternal life. I want came across in in studying this verse where laying hold of eternal life. If you can think of a wrestler, two wrestlers, they're fighting and they're into each other and they they just they, they grab onto each other and they roll and one's on top, then the other one's on top. That's a little bit the idea of this laying hold on eternal life. You just you just grab that thing and you just hang on for dear life. Lay hold on eternal life. Just meditate on those words. You're going to do whatever it takes. Just as you know in a wrestling match I yeah, I don't know. Sometimes yeah, we may take it serious. We may put everything into it we've got. We've got to win. We've got to we think about our journey through life. To lay hold on eternal life, fight for that thing. Just hang on to it and struggle with it, and don't let it, you know, don't let it get away from you. That's how we want to lay hold on eternal life. Not something passive. Not something that uh, we just try a little bit and then we walk away from it. It's too hard. It doesn't work. or We lose heart. That, that's not what this verse is calling us to. This verse is calling us lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith. I think reference was made earlier this morning here also about The Christian's armor in Ephesians 6 tells us to fight. There it says, but we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're not fighting with each other, but we're fighting a spiritual warfare. And that's the, that's the fight we want to fight. We want to win that fight. So verse 12, clear, clear instruction here. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Then verse 19. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So there it's twice in this chapter of laying hold of eternal life. Something we have to strive for. Something we have to to work for. So I think if if someone... I think it would be appropriate if someone would want to give a word of encouragement to all of us this morning. It would be that challenged. To lay hold, lay hold on eternal life. So as we think about that, as we meditate, there's really not much else that matters. We don't want to just get the mindset that we we're, 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 we 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 want to go to heaven because we want to avoid hell. You know, we want to we want to avoid the punishment, and so so we'll we'll do what we have to 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 get to heaven. No, we wanna take this thing serious and we wanna we wanna walk into it like men and women that are marching forward to 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 walk in victory with Jesus Christ. Let's go to Second Timothy chapter four. My understanding is that 2nd Timothy was written while, while Paul was in prison for the last time. And I would understand that 2nd Timothy was the last letter that Paul would have written. And we're in chapter 4 here, which is the last chapter of chapter 4. At the end of the chapter, my Bible, it's its it's not really part of the verse, but it's just a thing at the end. The second epistle unto Timotheus, ordained the first bishop of the church of the Ephesians, was written from Rome when Paul was brought before Nero the second time. Remember how Paul encouraged us in Romans to be faithful, to the government, to be obedient to the government as much as we can. And do we 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 usually don't think about it in the context that Paul was was living under Nero. And Nero was one of the most ruthless um, rulers in regards to how he treated the Christians. He just it was horrible, it was terrible how he treated the Christians And yet Paul is, was taught them to be obedient and submissive as much as we can. This is the context of how, of where this chapter is written in. As I understand it. If someone has, has other input, I, I'm open to that, but that's how I understand it. Second Timothy four, verse one. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring, wi- bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did, much, did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Salute Prisca and Aquila and the household of Vanesiphrus, and Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at my Ledum sick. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee, and Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. Be instant, in season, and out of season. Be ready. Be ready to share the Word of God wherever you find yourselves. Not only, there's certain appointments where we're prepared, whether teaching Sunday school or or whatever the assignment might be, but then there's opportunities throughout the week as we rub shoulders with people. Maybe just asking a question or just a word of encouragement. Be instant, in season, out of season. Watch, watch in all things. Be careful. Verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. And I have kept the faith. Heard some thoughts recently about this verse, about a course. I guess when I read this verse and I, and I think of a course, I, I think of like a, like a driving course or, or something where you, you drive through the cones and, or, or you're on a journey and, and you've gone a certain way. But this person was comparing it to like a, a study course, like a, like a, a course that you would, you would take to gain further knowledge or something. And the question was asked, have you ever started a course and not finished it? You know, sometimes, remember when I was in high school, I, I started typing and I didn't have much coordination and I lasted three days and I had to, to bail out. I didn't finish the typing course. But you know, the course of life, we're all gonna finish. We can't bail out. That's not an option. But the question is, how will we finish? how will we finish that course the challenge the the encouragement is to finish well let's all strive to finish well that we can that we can look forward to meeting jesus not not just not just to gain heaven not just to escape hell you know not just for the you know avoiding the bad and and trying to to get to something good but you know let's look forward to to meeting our lord and savior and and being able to to fellowship with him and to to share you know the victories and struggles that we've had and to to just share in that communion With Jesus, how beautiful that is. I just, you don't have to turn to it, I just want to refer to a verse in Hebrews. Someone quoted uh, verse 10 in Hebrews 11, I think, from the Sunday school this morning. They looked for a city whose uh, Foundations, whose builder and maker is God. But then in verse... That was verse 10. Verse 16. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Now uh, pay attention to this. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. I think there's two things... There's two reasons that God is not ashamed to be their God, to be called their God. And the first is, He promised that He would prepare a city. Jesus said, I, I go and prepare a city that where I am, there you can come too. There be many mansions there. God is faithful. He has prepared that city He's not ashamed because He's keeping His Word and He's prepared to share that with all of us. That's that's the first thing. The second thing, the reason that God's not ashamed to be called their God is because the people were faithful and that's up to us. If we're faithful, you know, in that same Hebrews 11, it says that, that Enoch walked with God and Enoch pleased God. And that's the challenge to us that, that we walk a life that is pleasing to God. And then God's not ashamed to be called our God. I just, I, I really want us to grasp that this morning. I have fought a good fight. I have kept, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And if we, <clears throat> if we've been faithful in that, then, then we can share in the promise that God is not ashamed to be called our God. What a blessing. What a tremendous blessing. Paul goes on to say that henceforth, because of this, Because of his faithfulness, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. So Paul would feel at this point that he's earned a crown because of his faithfulness. And we can rejoice in that with Paul, that Paul was faithful. But it doesn't stop there. The verse doesn't stop there. It goes on. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. And so that's that's the challenge before us this morning. Do we love His appearing? Do we look forward to His appearing? Can we answer truthfully? You know, I have fought a good fight I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. And we can look forward to that. We can look forward. We don't have to fear that. That's the, the The fear of death has been conquered in the power of the resurrection. Death hasn't been conquered yet. That'll come yet later. The actual conquering of death. But the fear of death has been conquered through the power of the resurrection, and we can look forward to the appearing of Christ. I'll just close with the last verse. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. (laughs)